right, well, good morning to you all. Uh, as Mark said uh, just a moment ago, my name is Eric Lipscomb, and I serve uh, with RUF, Reformed University Fellowship, at uh, Columbia University over in New York City. So uh, this is my 10th year now, uh, uh, working with college students, uh, caring for them, serving them, uh, sharing the gospel with uh, believers and non-believers alike. And so, uh, but it's really a privilege to, to be with you here today. Um, I was reminded on my way out here uh, the last time I was here was actually uh, 2020 BC, uh, before COVID, right? Uh, so Feb- February of 2020, I think it was Super Bowl Sunday. So little did we know uh, how much the world would change uh, shortly thereafter. But one thing that has not changed is the God that we serve, uh, the Jesus that we know and that we love. And so it's just a privilege to, again, be with you and to, to, to speak in his name uh, from his word. And so uh, today we're going to be looking at the beginning of the, uh, the book of Acts. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Acts, uh, it's a book in the New Testament. And it's sort of like the second half of Luke's gospel. So Luke-Acts is one narrative, kind of in two parts. And what happens in Acts is that Luke details for us the history and the growth of the early church. And and so what we see uh, is that the earliest followers of Jesus, uh, they've been brought together, but they are living together, uh, but they are doing so on mission. Uh, They come together, but then they go out. Uh, And it shows us the type of dynamic community that the gospel creates. And so we're going to, in a moment, we're going to read our text here from Acts 1. Uh, but before we do that, I want to ask you a question, something to consider uh, before we do that. And that's this. Um, what would you say your life is about? What is your life about? Uh, maybe another way to ask that same question. What does your life bear witness to? Um, you know, how would you answer that question? Would you say it's about working hard? Uh, it's about serving others? Uh, it's about loving my family. Uh, it's about glorifying God. What would you say? What is your life about? What does your life bear witness to? Now, okay, now, now I want you to also imagine that there has been an independent and, uh, you know, uh, objective observer who's followed you around for the last six weeks. What would that person say your life is about or your life bears witness to? Right, if that person had been following you around. Or, 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 or what if there had been a team of people following around, uh, you know, the people, the members of Grace Church, what would, what would that team of people say uh, after observing our worship, after seeing our social lives, uh, after noting our personal and our spiritual habits, right? the way we treat others, the way we use our time? What would he or she say Grace Church is about, that Grace Church bears witness to? Right? And, and so right, the moment of truth then, of course, is, is this. right? It's like, is there any gap between the way you answer that question and the way you imagine that auditor would say? Right? Like what your life bears witness to, what you say, and what the auditor would say your life bears witness to. Right? What does our, your life and what does our collective life bear witness to? Right? And what we're going to see in Acts 1 uh, is that for Christians, our lives fundamentally bear witness to the resurrected Christ. And, and you know, certainly if you've been in church, you, you know this, right? You know that this is the right answer, right? The right answer is always Jesus. Um, we, we know what we're supposed to say, um, but often there can be a gap between what we know to be true and the reality of what our life is actually looks like. And so um, if, if that is not what we're feeling that gap or you see that gap in your own life, um, you know, I want to suggest that this passage is, is like a gracious invitation for us to reconsider our priorities and to recalibrate ourselves to the truth of God's word here. And so this morning, let's look at uh, Acts 1, 1 through 11 as we try to understand this calling uh, and what it means for us individually and collectively to bear witness to the resurrected Christ. So would you read with me uh, Acts uh, 1, beginning in verse 1. So let's, let's read God's word. This is, uh, this is, uh, this is his word. 
In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Friends, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word remains forever. Would you pray with me now as we look to his word? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you, in fact, do speak to us uh, in and through your word here. And so, Lord, I pray that now as we come to this, uh, to study it and to understand who you are and, and what you have done, that you would open our eyes and open our hearts uh, to see and receive your truth. That, Lord, by your spirit, you would enable us uh, to live this out and to embody this uh, today and this week. Um, Lord, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your grace. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so in the, in the mid-2000s, uh, the, the company Nike uh, launched a worldwide ad campaign for one of their marquee athletes who was just coming into the start of his prime. Uh, and so part of this campaign, right, they, they rolled out, you know, billboards, they printed t-shirts, you know, magazine, TV commercials. Uh, this ad campaign was one of the, the biggest in Nike's storied history, right, multi, multi-millions of dollars. And does anyone care to guess, you don't have to shout it out if you don't want to, but if, you know, maybe think, who do you think this uh, ad campaign was for? Not Michael Jordan. It was for LeBron James. Uh, LeBron, so not the best basketball player in the world, the second best basketball player in the world, um, uh, in my personal opinion, right? Um, but, he, okay, here's the whole campaign, right? Multi, multi-millions of dollars. Here's the whole campaign. We are all witnesses. Swoosh. Right? We are all witnesses. Um, now, th- again, this has been going on for 20 years. It popped up a little bit in the spring when LeBron set the scoring record for the NBA, uh, but for almost 20 years now, Nike has been reminding us, we are all witnesses. Now, witnesses to what? Witnesses to what? Well, I went back and actually read that initial press release from 2005 or whenever it was. And here's what it said, just very briefly. The Witness campaign pays tribute to LeBron James and acknowledges the legions of fans worldwide who are witnessing his greatness, power, athleticism, and beautiful style of play. Right? We are witnesses to, to LeBron James's greatness. Um, but then it goes on from there to actually to encourage LeBron's fans to participate. He says, visitors to NikeBasketball.com will be able to access the witness board featuring shared testimony from fans about LeBron James, as well as a running tally of other witnesses as they are adding. Right? And so what Nike is saying is, look, if you are a part of Team LeBron, you know, the LeBron movement, um, you should be about sharing your story and sharing your experience with the world. Right? Nike is calling on LeBron fans uh, to bear witness to his greatness by sharing their experience of him with the world. And like, if that's true for LeBron James and his fans, right, if, if you're here and you're a Christian, right, how much more weight should we give this calling from Jesus' lips himself 
in the Bible, when we hear him saying, I am calling my followers to this exact same thing, to bear witness to my greatness by sharing your experience with the world. Right, right. The followers of Jesus, we are called to bear witness to the resurrected Christ and his greatness by sharing our experience with the world. Right? And that, that exhortation doesn't come from a, a press release. It actually comes, again, from Jesus himself. Right? The, the apostles we saw in the text, right, verse 6, they come to Jesus. They're like rubbing their hands together. It's like, all right, Jesus, is it time now? Is it time for your greatness? Is it time for you know, the, resolution, the revolution? Is it time for things to happen? And Jesus says, not yet. He says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. You're going to wait until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. But when you do, right, in verse 8, what does he say? He says, here's what you need to know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and out to the ends of the earth. Right, now Jesus could have done or he could have said anything at this point. And yet here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, the kingdom of God is going to come to fruition but it's not going to be coming even through my just demonstration of power in this moment. It's actually going to come through you, through you, my people, carrying out this message of the gospel, embodying it in the world. Right? And, and scholars point out that, that verse 8 is actually this sort of the thesis statement or the theme for the rest of the entire book of Acts. So everything you're going to read after this in Acts, if you were to keep reading, uh, would be sort of spelling this message out, sharing this mission, going out into the world. Right, so Luke is telling the story of what it means for the people of God as individuals and as a community to carry out this calling to bear witness to Jesus Christ and his greatness through his resurrection. Right, okay, so what does it mean then to be a witness? Right, what is a witness? Well, I don't know what you think of when you think of that word. Um, I imagine some people just think of like a, a passive bystander. You know, when, uh, when I stand on the subway platform in New York City, um, uh, you know, like, whoa, I just witnessed something crazy. Like I wasn't a part of it, I just saw it. Uh, that's kind of a daily occurrence for us. I, I you know, just try to, try to stand back and just witness and observe. Um, you know, I, I witness something crazy, or a passive bystander. Right? Others, maybe, maybe you, know, you think of not just seeing something, but you think of it more like an engaged spectator. You know, if you're like a, a, a fan in a football game or, or a, a basketball game, you know, it's more participatory, right? You, you love your team. You're there, you're chanting, you're cheering them on. Uh, you know, you're invested to some degree in the outcome. You know, like, go, you know, uh, Mark was at the football game yesterday. Go Hoosiers. Uh, uh, go Jesus. Team Jesus. Woo. You know, um, whatever, whatever it is, whoever your team is, right? But look, to be a witness is actually more than that. It is more than uh, being a, 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 you know, a spectator. It's more than being a bystander. It does mean to see something, uh, and it does mean to love, but it actually means more. It also means to go and share. Right? That, that a witness, as Jesus is talking about, is more than just a committed fan. Right? A witness is somebody who has seen Jesus' love and who's experienced it personally, but who's also now called on to share that, to testify to the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done, and to do so with the entirety of your life, right? Monday to Sunday, not just on game day. Right? And it may be, may be helpful to note that, again, this, this Greek word here uh, for witness in, in verse 8 uh, is the word martos. Right? You, you hear that and you maybe recognize that that's where we get the word martyr from, right? A martyr is someone who literally gives the entirety of their life for a cause. And so even if it's true that, you know, Lord willing, none of us will ever be called on to do that, to, to die on account of your faith in Jesus, it is still very much true that if you are called to Jesus, if you are a Christian, then every aspect of your life should bear witness to him and to his love and to his resurrection. Right? And so when we say every aspect, or when I say every aspect, you know, I think that means it starts certainly with our words, right? 
I mean, yes, I, I hope that you are a Christian. If you are a Christian, uh, you are able to, to, to give account for the joy you have, the hope you have in Jesus. But even, maybe even more simply, um, you know, think about your words. Think about just how you speak to other people. Do you, do you speak with kindness? What is the tone you take? Are, are you thoughtful in how you speak, or, or, or do you lack thoughtfulness? Right? How do you speak to others? How do you speak about others right, when, when they are not around? Right? Like the way that we speak actually speaks volumes about the Savior we claim. Right? Even posting on the internet. Right? Our words should bear witness to Christ, right? but so should our actions. I mean, how easy is it to, to talk the talk of, I am meant to love my neighbor? Do we actually walk that walk? Right? Like, if I'm honest, like, no, not always. Much easier, to, much easier said than done. Like, does my life bear witness to Christ? Do my actions bear witness to him? Right? Do you go about your work with integrity? Right? Do, do you exhibit an attitude that is humble and gracious or one that is self-righteous and self-promoting? Right? If you're a Christian, do you realize that the, the quality of your life, the quality of our lives together, has the ability to point either someone towards the beauty and the goodness of Jesus um, or can point them away from it? Right? Our, our life, our words, and our actions bear witness to Jesus. Is it bearing witness to his greatness or is it bearing witness to some other reality? Right? Because, see, you know, this is a weighty calling that Jesus is giving us in verse 8. Right? You are going to be my Witnesses, And so I just want to, again, kind of thinking about our earlier question, pause for a moment. Again, whether you're a Christian or not, what does your life bear witness to? Right? What, would, what would you say your life is about? Again, or if that auditor handed you that report, right, and they followed you around for the last six weeks, what do you think they would say your life is about? What reality does your life bear witness to? Right? Is everything you're doing a testimony to your own career success? Right? Is your life bearing witness to the fact that you're trying to be a good person so other people will respect you? Right? Does your life bear witness to the pursuit of comfort and pleasure as the ultimate good? Right? What does your life bear witness to? But remember, this isn't just an individual calling. This is actually a collective one. Right? This isn't just an individual pursuit. Uh, Jesus says, y'all will be my witnesses. To, to, you know, my south is showing. Uh, uh, you all will be my witnesses. What does our communal life bear witness to, right? Is it only that we come together and have a lot of fun? Is it that we're just up, you know, polite, upright people who gather together on Sundays? Or that we like to learn things that are interesting in Bible study? Like, all those are good. All those are true things. But hopefully they're actually not just ends in themselves. They are means by which we bear witness to the greatness of Christ and his resurrection. And so if our life is not, is not pointing to Jesus and his greatness, I think we're doing something wrong. Because again, as, as what Acts reminds us throughout, that we are people who are called to live together on mission, right? To bear witness to Christ. And, and you know, what's amazing about the gospel is that if you become a Christian, when you become a Christian, at least two things happen, right? First, you're, you're called together into this family of the church, right? You're called to do life together, to, to come together, to care for one another, to encourage each other. Right? But the point isn't only to be just a happy, holy huddle here on Sunday mornings. It is actually that we would be called together in order to be sent out, sent out on mission, for the life of our towns, for the life of our world, and for those who don't know the hope and the joy of Jesus, right? And that's, there's sort of this rhythm to the Christian life. Breathe in and breathe out, right? Breathe in, come together for care, come together for encouragement, but don't just, like, hold your breath. Right? Breathe out. Go out to, to breathe life into the world as active ambassadors for Jesus Christ and his kingdom, right? Breathe in 
and then breathe out. Right? This is the shared calling to do our, you know, do our communal lives, do our individual lives bear witness to Jesus. Right? Okay, and I've said that like a lot of times. So what specifically then about Jesus should our lives individually and collectively bear witness to? Well, I think from the text what we see is that um, our lives bear witness to the reality that Jesus Christ is alive uh, and that he is still at work, right? And, and so, again, if you look at, at verse 3 right, of, our, of our text, right, Luke, Luke 1, 3, right, he says, Jesus Christ presented himself alive to his disciples after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days. Uh, right, so Jesus, is, Mark is going to pains to say, you know, the end of his gospel, Jesus has died, <laughs> but now he is alive. Right, Jesus, you know, I know we're near Halloween, but like Jesus wasn't a ghost. He wasn't an apparition. He wasn't a hallucination. Right, Jesus was seen by his friends over and over again in this time period after his death. He's physically alive again, right? And, and, and the, the, the disciples witness that. And then if you, if you keep reading in Acts, you, right, in just chapter 1, verse 22, uh, Peter and the, the apostles are trying to replace Judas, who had, who had betrayed Jesus. And they say, one of these men must become with us what? A witness to Jesus' resurrection. And so if you read Acts over and over again, at least eight times, there's this repetition of witness repeated in conjunction with Christ's resurrection, Right? This is over and over something the people of God are reminded of and called to be about. Right? And, and the difference between, again, Christianity and maybe any other philosophy or, or, uh, or religion, you know, Jesus isn't just like a deceased you know, moral sage, moral teacher, who we merely exemplify. Right? Jesus did experience death, but then he defeated it. Right? He rose from the grave, and he's now the living Lord who lives over all creation. Right? There is none like Jesus. And yet, Scripture says also that, that Jesus' resurrection wasn't just a singular event, or it was a singular event, but it actually has repercussions for all those who have their faith in Him. But that it is the, as we read in 1 Corinthians, or the first fruits, or the down payment on the promise of eternal life for any who hope in Him. Right? Like, do you remember that, that if you're a Christian, you walk around with this assured hope of resurrection life because Jesus is resurrected? Right? You walk around knowing that even the worst thing that could happen to you, death, actually is this gateway to glory if you are in Christ. I heard one theologian just briefly said, you know, he was sort of charged, you know, okay, you believe in that, like this future hope. Are you just an optimist? He says, I'm not an optimist, I'm a prisoner of hope. And, and I love that quote, I'm not an optimist, I'm a prisoner of hope. Right? I, like I am, I, am, I am chained to hope because of what Jesus has done, because it's true that he came back to life, he was resurrected from the grave. Right? And if that is true, it is incredible. And so our lives should bear witness to this reality that Jesus is resurrected and that the hope that we have of that resurrection for the future. Right, but, but that, that hope of Jesus isn't only something that we just like put in the future and like kind of put on the shelf. Right, Jesus is, is both alive now and active in the present. He is alive and active now, right? He is alive and he is still at work even now. Right? And again, if you look at verse one of, of our text, you know, uh, Luke says, you know, in this first book, uh, referring to his gospel, I have dealt with what Jesus began to do and teach, right? And he's, he's looking back, uh, and he's saying uh, this gospel account was what Jesus did and began to do, and the implication then is that Jesus is actually going to continue to work and to teach, but now it's going to be through my people, right? Now it's going to be through the community of the, ch the church empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? C.S. Lewis, you know, in, in, uh, in Chronicles of Narnia, right, Aslan is on the move, this isn't just a past thing. It's not just a future thing. There is a present aspect of what Jesus is doing. Uh, you know, one of the things I tell my students all the time in, in REF, we call it a, a presupposition we have, that before I step onto campus, I believe that God is at work. 
that God is already doing things. I'm just sort of participating and joining in the work he is already about. And Luke wants to remind us that, that Jesus is still at work now in the present. That there is one ministry of Christ, that there is the, this sort of past work that we read about in the Bible, but there is the present work that he is about by his spirit and through his church, through us. Right? There's a very real and present aspect to the redemptive work that Jesus is doing. Right? That is what you and I and together we are invited to participate in, to, to witness to the resurrected Christ. Right? Now, now, what could that look like? What does this look like? Well, one, one picture I was reminded of. Um, so I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, maybe, I gosh, about 20 years ago now, um, some friends of mine planted a church in this area called Churchill. Um, and uh, they just, there they developed this beautiful community. And, uh, and one day they were, you know, as, as, as summer people do, kind of have a, a cookout in, in their backyard. And, and they had this really amazingly diverse community, right? They had, they had kids, they had uh, elderly people, you know, families, singles, uh, people who look like hipsters, people who look like lawyers, uh, kind of the, the, really this mix of folks. And um, uh, in Richmond, there's a University of Virginia Commonwealth, VCU, uh, kind of known as an art school. And so one of the art students was walking by uh, on the other side of the street, and he looks in his backyard and sees this seemingly random group of people just like enjoying themselves together. And so he stops, and he just looks across for a minute or two, and then he walks up, like walk, crosses the street, walks over to the gate. Uh, and my buddy, who's the, the church planner, the pastor there, uh, happens to be the closest one to him. And this, this, this guy comes up, he's like, hey, uh, I'm just, I'm sorry, I have to ask, like, what is going on here? Like, what, 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 what is happening? Who are you? And, uh, you know, my buddy says, hey, well, we're a church. Would you like to come in? And, and so he did. So the guy came into the party, right? He's, he's not a Christian. He's just a, you know, a, a random passerby. A year and a half later, uh, when this guy was getting baptized, um, my buddy, you know, asked him, hey, how, like, remind me, how did you become a Christian? And, and what he said I thought was really telling. He said, I fell in love with the community, which then led me to fall in love with Jesus. Right? Like Jesus is at work in the present through the gathering of his people. Right? I imagine I could have asked Mark for, for a number of stories about Grace Church where that's, that's true as well, something, something similar, right? But like we need to just remember to keep that vision in front of us, that Jesus is at work through the gathering of his people. Right? That, that Jesus has brought us together from many different places, different backgrounds, and somehow the warmth and the beauty of this community, of your shared fellowship, is bearing witness to the truth of Jesus Christ and him being resurrected, right? Like that we get to be the embodiment of Jesus' love, but not just for each other, for, for others as well. And so what if your friend from work or your neighbor or your family member or, or the acquaintance from your coffee shop, what if they're one invitation away from coming to fall and feel the love of this community and ultimately fall in love with Jesus? You know, um, spring of my senior year, I was reminded that, uh, of college. Uh, my wife's first-year roommate came to us, and she said, hey, you know, just kind of in a, in a passing way and sort of reflecting on our time in college as seniors do, you know, oh, man, I, you know, I wish you had invited me to your campus fellowship at some time. I would have loved to check it out. I was like, oh, gut punch. Why did, you know, how did we, like, drop the ball on this for four years? Right, to think that's all it would have taken. Like, hey, would you like to come check out REF with us? And she would have said yes. And then, you know, who knows what God would have done with that. But, like, we, we'll see, right? Like, we made the decision for her by not asking her. Like, don't make the decision for someone by not asking them, by not inviting them. 
Now, look, I, I realize, again, in saying that, it can, it maybe it can feel a little bit like a burden. But, like, this is, this is very much not meant to be a burden. It's meant to be this privilege that God invites us into the building and the advancement of his kingdom. That bearing witness in our individual and our communal life to the resurrected Jesus, right? This is something amazing that he calls us to. Right? Will we be faithful witnesses to this? Or will we be false witnesses? And again, if, if you're like me, the reality is that um, often we are false witnesses. I'm a false witness. I, you know, uh, I like to joke with my students, I'm a, I'm a professional Christian. <laughs> uh, and yet I fail in this, you know, day after day after day. And yet what's incredible is that Jesus sends all of his people. He doesn't just send his perfect people. He sends all of his people. Right? And really that is the, the gospel in, it, in its whole, is it not? Right? That you are called to be Jesus' witnesses, not because you're so great, not because you're so excellent and outstanding. Right? Jesus looks at me and says, and looks at us, look, you're, you're actually kind of a hot mess. <laughs> but you're mine. You're mine and I love you. And I will die on account of my love for you. I died on account of that love, right? That is what's going on in the cross, right? Jesus, the sinless, dying for the place of the sinful, right? He is the ultimate martyr, is he not? He gives the entirety of his life for your cause, right? All while knowing that you're actually not going to be a great witness, that you're going to struggle to witness him, and yet his delight in you is so great that he would still go through with that. And he would still invite you to participate in this redemptive work, sending you out into the world to proclaim in his body and embody the grace he has for us and for each of us. And so if that's true, then what are we left with? Well, just a few just kind of closing practical bits. Um, where are we sent to and then, and then uh, when are we called to witness? Um, just as a few kind of practical notes. Um, well, again, back to verse 8. Where, where are we sent to? And again, Jesus sort of gives us these kind of concentric circles going out. He says, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, where they are at that moment, uh, to Judea and Samaria, and then ultimately to the ends of the earth, right? And so, you know, they're in Jerusalem. He's saying, look, if you need somewhere to start, you know, don't, you don't have to think too hard. Just start right here, right? Start in the place where God, in his sovereignty, has placed you. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes just see those sticker, not in New York as much, but back home, at least, with the, you know, like, like uh, start local or buy local, um, that's kind of the thing, right? You know, in your church, in this church, with each other, in your neighborhood, right? The spaces that you already are, the places where you live and you spend your time, start there, right? You know, bloom where you've been planted. But start there, but don't stop there, <laughs> right? He says, you know, he just starts in Jerusalem for the apostles, but then it goes out to Judea and Samaria, right? He's calling to bear witness to those on the margins. And even, you know, the Samaritans would have been their enemies, right? The, the people who they thought were the false worshipers and, 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 and worshiped in heterodox ways. Jesus is saying, go and serve those people too. Go and witness to those people. Go and embody the grace of God among those people who you don't really like. Right? To Judea and Samaria, and then ultimately to the ends of the earth. Right? Why is there a church here in the Hamptons 2,000 years later? Because somebody or some bodies took the message of Jesus, embodied it, and went out to the ends of the earth, to the end of Long Island. Right? We are called to be people who are also considered going out on mission. And so for some of us, this may mean to consider at least, is Jesus wanting to send me out on mission? And you can live missionally in your neighborhood. But would Jesus maybe be considering, uh, would Jesus have maybe some of us considering what it would look like to go out to some underserved or underreached place. Where are we called to mission? And then lastly, when are we called to witness? 
Again, at the end of our text, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, you know the, the apostles are sort of standing, like slack-jawed, looking up, kind of dumbfoundedly. Understandably, Jesus has just ascended into heaven. They're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And these two angels, they show up, right, in verse 11, and they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? They're like, what are you doing? Get about it. Now is the time to start witnessing. Right, now is the time. Don't, don't just stand around. Get to work. This mission begins today. Don't just stay gathered. Go out. Um, there's this one theologian, who, uh, uh, John Stott, who I love, and he says very briefly what's going on here. He says, the vision they are to cultivate was not upward in nostalgia towards the heavens. Like, man, we really love Jesus. But outwards in compassion to a lost world which needed him. Right, the world needs us, the people of God, bearing witness to the greatness and the compassion of Jesus here and now. Right, me and you, us, today. Right, not once we get through the holiday season, not once my kids graduate from high school, right, today. Today is a real day. Right, we bear witness to Christ today. Right, our lives are bearing witness to something. It may be your own greatness. It may be to LeBron's greatness. I don't know. Uh, it may be to something else. But would that we would be people who individually and collectively bear witness to the greatness of Jesus Christ, the one we claim, who died, who rose again, and who offers us the, the promise, the first fruits, the down payment of resurrection life with him. Right? Would, would the knowledge of that, would the, the hope of that make us more than, more than spectators, right? more than just kind of casual fans? Would we be people who see and know personally the greatness of Jesus Christ on our behalf and see his invitation and take him up on it to witness to him and to participate in this mission of bearing witness to his resurrection and to him throughout the world? Right, that's amazing. We're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit that he talks about here if we're going to do that. We're going to embody this together. So why don't we close and pray that he would, in fact, help us do this. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sent your Son and you have given us your Spirit now for those who trust in you. Um, and Lord, we pray that um, we would know the joy and the hope uh, of, of his, uh, your Son Jesus' resurrection. Um, that that wouldn't just be kind of some theological knowledge that, that lives in our head, um, but actually be something that, that uh, motivates us and enables us uh, to go then about this work of, of mission, um, to come together, uh, to love and serve and care for one another, but then to go out to our neighbors and to those who don't know you. Um, Lord, we thank you for this high calling. And even when we, we struggle to, to, to embody it, Lord, we know that um, you have already paid the cost for that, that failure on the cross. And so I pray that that would uh, then free us to actually go about this work even more diligently and more faithfully, Lord. Um, Lord, help us to be people who bear witness to you, who bear witness to the goodness of your son, Jesus. And we pray all these things and ask it all in, in his name. Amen.